TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. First man up, Kyle Schwarber. Blast one. Straightaway center field. Trout is back looking up and it is gone. Off the batter's eye, well up off the ivy. And Kyle Schwarber with a leadoff home run on the first pitch of the night. It's his 13th of the year. And it's one nothing Phillies. Now look back at second and the pitch to stop. Swing and a high drive. Right field. Deep. Ward going back at the track. Looks up. It's gone. And there it is for Bryson Stott. His first major league home run. And it's a three-run shot over the out-of-town scoreboard. Phillies now lead it four to nothing. Well, that's all you needed. There you go. Good morning, everybody. Phillies crushed the Angels last night in their 10 to nothing in their first game under new uh, or interim manager Rob Thompson. Kyle Schwarber homers twice. Bryce Harper homers twice. Young Bryson Stott nails his first. Zach Eflin goes eight scoreless. The, what are the Broad Street Bashers, whatever, they finally show up. Good morning, Jody McDonald. All they needed to do was fire the manager, and all is well, Jody? Rob Thompson undefeated. How long can he keep this up? I don't know. Until about 1030 tonight after the game is over and done with, can he go to 2-0? Uh, maybe. There was, um, what's his name? We, I, I heard him, uh, Howard talking about Chip Kelly. When they fired Chip Kelly, they brought in, uh, what's his name, the offensive Pat coordinator. Shermer. Yeah, Shermer coached one game, 1-0. and So there you yes. go. Retired undefeated as the Eagles coach. I don't think Rob Thompson is uh, planning on retiring anytime soon, though. All right. Well, that's the big news. He is Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. It's Mack and Mack. Always a pleasure. Uh, And we are working this morning and today up until 1 o'clock. And, of course, we follow the big news yesterday of the firing of Joe Girardi. Um, Just to give you the background, I think everybody knows the Phillies had – the fourth highest payroll in baseball, $240 million. They were aggressive last offseason. They were came into the year with pretty high expectations. I think Vegas had them at least, if not winning the division, getting into the playoffs. And now they sit third in the East. What now? Six games under five hundred after last night's win. Something had to happen. Jody McDonald, was it the right move yesterday to say goodbye to Joe Girardi? They actually picked up a game in the National League East last night. The uh, oh, Mets well. got beat by the Dodgers late, so they're only 11 games out. <laughs> as we sit here in the first week of June, already 11 games out of first place. Yeah, they had to do what they had to do. I, I was a big Girardi fan, loved when the Phillies hired him, thought that he was the best possible fit out there when they decided to move on from Gabe Kapler. 
Uh, I still think he's a good manager, but he did not do a good job here. He had his chances. Uh, as you mentioned, they did a lot to improve this club, at least on paper, during the offseason, and you did not see the results on the field, and that's the way the job works. And uh, according to Dave Dombrowski, who spoke yesterday, uh, Joe handled it like a true professional and with class, but he also knew it was coming. He knows that's the way it works in baseball specifically, but in all sports, it's a results-oriented business, and the Phillies were not getting the results, and Joe Girardi paid for it with his job, and I thought Rob Thompson was the best of the guys on their current bench. Dombrowski did a good job of, of explaining the fact that they couldn't start a managerial search. Someone had to take over. Yep. Otherwise, you need to go through a process, and they were going to select someone within the organization, and Rob Thompson, who was Joe Girardi's right-hand man, uh, seemed to be the guy who was the best fit, and I agree with that selection at this time. Uh, I feel badly for Girardi, but he had to go. I said on my CBS show on the weekends uh, after they did what they did against the Mets, I said if he gets swept by Gabe Kapler and the Giants this week, he's going to go. Well, uh, I, I wondered if the Wednesday win was going to be enough to save his job. And all day Thursday and a lot of contemplation by Dave Dombrowski led to Girardi's ouster. Yeah, uh, so I want to play, a, this is a quote from Dombrowski, kind of talking about uh, Moshe. I think this is the one when he, he kind of knew it was time, is that right? I yes, think. indeed. Okay, Moshe, give it, give it a hit. No, I don't think really a per se tipping point. We haven't played well for a while. It's something that, um, you know, in your own mind, I don't. You're, you're thinking of what makes you better for an extended period. So, again, being around the club day in and day out, um, it was one where I think that when I just looked at how we had played over the the road trip at the end with against the, the Mets there, uh, we played against San Francisco the first couple of games, all tough losses, right? But then when I looked, uh, of course, at the schedule and you're looking at, okay, if you're going to make a move, what time frame makes sense? And I look towards the Thursday off day if we're going to do it. And, and really, I, I, it is something I've been thinking about because I haven't really thought that the club has played as well as what we're capable of playing and just a different chemistry. But, um, you know, I got some rest on uh, Wednesday night, which has been hard to do with some of the length of the games that we played um, <laughs> and some of the travel that we had, and it's something I had been contemplating. And I woke up and went for a jog, and I came back and really thinking, you know what, this is, this is the right thing to do at this time. I think it's the best for our, our organization. All right, so a couple things. First of all, um, as in almost all of these cases, you need a scapegoat when a team is underperforming, and the manager is usually a scapegoat, so it was Girardi. It's not Girardi's fault, per se, that Kyle Schwarber was hitting under 200. It's not Girardi's fault that Alec Bohm has a slugging percentage of 352. It's not Girardi's fault that this team's defense is one of the worst in Major League Baseball. Uh, so... The head has to go, and it's his. But it is. But he did contribute to it, um, Jody. I felt he was lifeless. I felt that um, just his lack of fire in, in in standing up for his players and standing up to umpires. He gave the appearance of a guy just collecting a paycheck. Um, the team seemed lifeless, and part of it I know is how this team plays the game. Right? They have a lot of strikeouts. They don't put a lot of balls in play. So often it's guys. You know, swinging three times and walking back to the dugout. I, I don't know if that's going to change. But I think that Girardi really hurt himself in his poor use of the bullpen, which, you know, I mean, I was at a game last year. He tried to put in a believer, wasn't in the active roster. 
Um, the decision to start Bailey Falter last week, maybe it wasn't his decision, but it really hurt him. Um, his kind of demeanor in the dugout when the camera would be on him and it just would always be his face looking down into his binder. He is not to blame for many of the things on this team, but he made it easy for him to be the fall guy. That's my take. I basically agree with everything you just said. Um, uh, if if you're a motivated player, a veteran player, a guy who's been around, a guy who signed a uh, $76 or $80 million contract during this offseason, if you need to be motivated by your manager, shame on you. Uh, that they've got enough veteran guys here that Joe's demeanor in the uh, locker room I, I don't think is the main problem. And if it's an issue with some of these players, shame on them. No, it's more his tactical decisions. And they tried to upgrade the bullpen during this offseason. Jerry is familiar, isn't what he used to be. Uh, Corey Kniebel had a bad week. That'll help to get your manager fired as well. The James Norwoods of the world just don't really belong in the big leagues, and that's an organizational thing. But Girardi's calling on him to come out of the pen. He's keeping in Nick Nurse for a save situation on the road trip because, God forbid, Sir Anthony go Jody, in. Jody, God bless you. I think Nick Nurse is an NBA coach. What did I say? Nick, Nick, Nick Nelson. My bad. Thank you, Nick Nurse. Thank you for correcting me. I, I, I'm going to do that ten times before the end of the show. That's okay. Um, I'd rather have Nick Nurse. Maybe with the way Nick Nelson pitched. And he actually had a good eighth inning, but you pushed him to go to a, next, yeah. a second inning and a ninth inning because Sir Anthony, who didn't pitch the day before, wasn't like the Joe Girardi can't pitch three days in a row rule. He had not pitched the day before, and in one of the weekend games, he had only thrown 11 pitches. But we're not going to take a chance with Sir Anthony because he's coming off as many injuries as he does. Joe, if he didn't realize that his job was kind of hanging in the balance, then shame on him. He could have been uh, critiqued the other way that Girardi is managing in June as if his job's not. Well, it was. And we found out it was. And he's now unemployed. Yes. So, to me, it was much more his decisions and the uh, things that he did within games that cost him his job than his overall attitude. These these are, should be self-motivated players. No, no, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. He just he just looks so laconic out there. But, yes, it, it, it was those decisions, and it always was the kind of – well, you know, it's a long season, and I don't want to get the guys, uh, you know, to uh, work to, to too many innings now. I read a piece this week by Mike Vaccaro in the New York Post. You probably know Mike. Very sure. good, no good columnist, right? And he did a profile of Buck Showalter, whose Mets were, were, I don't know what the record is now, it was a few days ago. They were 35-17 and 17 when he wrote this thing. And he said that um, Showalter's theme with this team today is worry about today Tomorrow will take care of itself. And, and there's a quote from him. He says, I'm in the here and now. It's something you learn in the first week of, catch, of coaching. Excuse me. Coaching 101. The trick is the buy-in. I want this team to treat every game like it's the most important item on their daily agenda and act accordingly. We'll worry about the next day the next day. And I never got that sense from Girardi. I always got the sense from Girardi, which is, well, you know, I'm going to need these arms in October. Well, Probably not. Uh, and and his decisions to not use pitchers when kind of the circumstance called for it really hurt. Uh, Rob Thompson yesterday actually spoke to that, was asked about that. I think, if I am correct, I think he was asked by Todd Zalecki. Todd's going to be joining us at 11 o'clock. 
and he was asked, is there a time when, are you, are you going to have the same rigid usage policies as Girardi? Is the time you might go to reliever third game in a row? Moshe, hit that one if you would. Yeah, so we're now into June, and I'm not going to say we do it every time because every, we do it, take it case by case. We used Familia the other night three, night, three days in a row. So we're going to do it case by case. If they got low pitch counts the first two nights and the guy looks you in the eye and he says, hey, I'm good to go, then, and you trust him, then it's a possibility. It makes sense to me, Jody. Absolutely. And I don't know why Girardi wasn't of the same mindset from the beginning of this season. Good for Rob Thompson that he is already open-minded to uh, taking it on a case-by-case basis. That's one of the problems with Girardi was I don't think there was case-by-case basis. There were certain things that he felt as tenants of the way you manage a baseball team that he wasn't going to adjust to. He wasn't going to change. He was going to stick to them. And, oh, by the way, you have a game plan when you come into a season. You're hoping to be at a specific level, win as many games. Uh-oh, we're not as good as we thought we are. Guess what? you got to adapt and change on the fly. And I don't think Joe Girardi did that this year, and I'm not sure that has ever been part of Joe Girardi's way of doing things. Yeah. I, I, I think you said at the start of the show, I had such expectations for him coming in. Uh, I was really excited about the hiring of Joe Girardi and thought, you know, this is a guy, clearly he had a ton of talent in New York, but still this is a guy who knows how to win. I always liked his personality. I liked him on TV. I met him once uh, before he was here. I think we had him as a guest one time, and he was good. Uh, And I just had such high expectations. It's such a disappointment. I I know you feel the same way. Exactly the same. Um, As a matter of fact, my daughter was working for the MLB Network while Girardi was there, and she Uh said, couldn't have been a nicer guy couldn't have been an easier going guy that even though he was a manager who had won a World Series and some of the other guys they had on the air at MLB didn't have the kind of resume or accomplishment Joe Girardi did. Oh, he'd volunteer for anything. Go on remotes, go shoot stuff at high school fields, stuff like that. She couldn't have liked Joe Girardi more, and she, like me, was very excited when he came here. She was ready to pull the plug on our buddy Joe Girardi before I was. <laughs> I, I stayed the course longer than she did, and I finally wilted this past week when uh, he just got handled by Atlanta and then swept by the Mets. You knew it was time. Yeah, and maybe he goes somewhere else and has success. I'm sure he'll go back to TV and do well. So the big question now is can they overcome it? Uh, according to fan graphs as of before last night's game, they had a 21% chance of making the postseason, which I guess is that third wild card. Jody, help me because I can't keep track. Is the third wild card any more – or the, how many wild cards they have now? Three, four wild cards? Three wild cards. Is it a, is it a one-gamer or did they make it into a best of three? Um, no, the the top team gets a bye. It's gets a bye, right. They added one more wild card. At the year of the pandemic, there was an even extra wild card. Now there's uh, one less than that, but one more than there used to be. So the uh, first teams get uh, the the team with the best record overall in the league gets to buy. The other two divisional winners play the other two wild card teams uh, in a best of five series. Best of five. Okay, so you I get in, so. you get the best. You get a best of five. So it's not just that one one game affair. All right, so Correct. it's legitimate playoffs. All right, so they got it. They got a, uh, as I said, they got a twenty-one percent chance. Um, you've lost one of your most dependable offensive players in Gene Segura for the next twelve weeks. 
You got Bryce Harper DHing, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. We don't know if he's going to be able to last the season. Uh, I think other than that, you're relatively healthy. Am I th- forgetting somebody else? Uh, no, you ran okay. him down. Okay. Uh, you know the bullpen is short. You know what it is. You know what the defenses, defensive issues are, which compounds the problems in your bullpen. Can they, at this point, still make a run to get into the postseason? Uh, the short answer to your question is yes. First of all, i got to correct myself. Two divisional winners get by. So the third divisional winner with the uh, lowest record joins the three wild cards. So you're correct. There are three wild cards. Um, God, that can they, like, can they that, that sentence just felt like doing taxes. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. can, I, hate, can, I hate when sports is just math. Well, it is, but I know, it's, I know. that's not Glenn McNair or Jody McDonald's fault. That's the Players Association and MLB through their ongoing negotiations and collective bargaining agreement that held the season up uh, before it ever started. Uh, can they be one of those three wild cards? Yes, they surely can. Even the, though the standings would say probably not, even though Fangraph says 21%. Well, 21% isn't zero. It's not a great number, but it's not zero either. They, as Dave Dombrowski said yesterday, should be better than what they've done so far this year. So can they get into the mix for something like that? Yes. I think the Mets have kind of run away and hid in the division. They've been as good as they have been. Sons, DeGrom, and Scherzer, who at some point are going to come back. And even if they're not DeGrom and Scherzer, they're going to be damn good. So the Mets are going to be very tough to catch. That's what you're targeting, one of those three wild card spots. And should they be attempting to get in that? Uh, we haven't even reached the one-third of the season mark. we got two more games to go before we hit that. Yes, that's why they did what they did. That was a big reason why they did what they did yesterday, Glenn, because they sure as heck have not given up on the season. Okay, good. Well, that's good. And I think every fan who has so far not enjoyed the season at least holds out that little bit of hope that they're not ready to just throw it all away. What difference can Rob Thompson make? You, you change the manager. We talked about how you know he may change some of the strategies, how he uses the relievers, maybe stretch out the starters a little bit. God, don't pull the you know he pulls his starter. He Girardi pulled his starters so early. Um, but you have a 58-year-old baseball lifer, bench coach, minor league catcher, third baseman. It does sound like the prototypical right major league manager, former minor league catcher who's been hanging around forever. Uh, he, he's, he has a good resume as a coach, coached to the Yankees for 10 years, um, mostly for Girardi when he was there. Um, we came here with Gabe, I think in 2018, does he come in with the chops to change things? Does he need to change things? Uh, yeah, he's got to change some things because otherwise why even fire the manager? If you're just going to get his uh, little brother to come in and do exactly the same, uh, you wouldn't bother firing Girardi. Uh, so, yes, I think he will change some. Massively changing? No. His personality is somewhat Girardi-like, but he needs to tr- strategically be different than Girardi, and I think he's a smart enough guy uh, to know that, and I think he will do that. Uh, we got two minutes here. I'll tell you a quick story. One of the calls I got yesterday when we found out Rob Thompson was going to be the next Phillies manager was from uh, Joseph Anthony Aloysius McDonald Sr., oh. my dad. He's known Robbie Thompson sneaking up on 30 years. Yeah, he, by the way, for those who don't know, and probably most people do, Jody McDonald's father is a baseball lifer, including a, being a long-term general manager, still works as a scout. No, just re- he retired. He what? called it. He called it a career before what? the pandemic. 
uh, well, perfect timing, timing because he was going to do minor league baseball. Oh, shoot, there was no minor league baseball uh, in 2020. What, what did your dad had, what, 70-year career? Something like that, right? Uh, 60-something. I don't God think he made him. 70, but uh, he, he scouted into his 90s. Uh, so he did it for a very long period of time. But he was with the Detroit Tigers when they drafted Robbie Thompson. And he was an okay player. It didn't look like he was going to be a big leaguer, but he was an absolute hard worker and a guy who was a uh, student of the game. And my father, when his playing days were over and they were going to release him, offered him a job within the organization, and his coaching slash managing career took off. And they really liked him and thought he had a chance to be a big league manager someday. And one year, the New York Yankees kind of came in and pilfered him away and gave him a job in their organization. And that's when the relationship started with Girardi and the like. So my father at a game at the Yankees minor league home in Tampa uh, during the season, watching the uh, uh, A-League Tampa Bay team play, uh, went upstairs to the press box and he pushed the wrong button on the elevator. He was supposed to go to two, so instead he pushed three. And he ended up on the floor that is solely there for the owner of the New York Yankees, George Steinbrenner, who's never there. This is June or July, and he's never there. But sure enough, the Yankees are playing the Rays that day. So he stopped by the complex to get something out of his office before going across the uh, bay there to go to the trap and watch the Yankees in the race play. So Seinberg and my father knew each other. So, oh, Joe, how are you? Gave him a big hug. They shoot the breeze for about 45 seconds, pleasantries. And my father says, George, I got a bone to pick with you. You stole Robbie Thompson from me this offseason. We love the kid. How did you notice to give him a minor league job? And Steinbrenner looked my father back in the eyes and said, yeah, but you stole Willie McGee from me. <laughs> which was a much bigger deal that helped the Cardinals win a World Series. Oh, yeah. So George was pretty uh, smart on his feet. He was pretty quick and uh, kind of got my father to back off his critique of having stolen Robbie Thompson. But my dad has known Robbie for 30-plus years, and uh, he is just a tremendous baseball guy. And we'll see if he's got the chops to be a major league manager. We'll see what happens. I know that there's not a single Philly fan who – has enjoyed watching this season. It has been painful. It has been dull. It has been frustrated. The fans don't want to accept that it's over. I mean, three months until the Eagles season, and we really have nothing else. So you want the Phillies to give it a run, try to be in the race, aren't ready to pull the plug. And so maybe, just maybe, this turns it around. Maybe they get a little energy. Maybe Rob Thompson makes a couple of changes that have impact. Maybe just things are ready to move, and they will be positive. We will see. Um, they got one of the longest droughts in the major leagues and making the playoffs. It would be nice to see that end now. 215-592-9494. Let me, let me um, say a couple things. First of all, at 11 o'clock, we're going to be talking to Todd Zalecki, get his lowdown on this. We're going to work the NBA playoffs into the show. Eagles make some interesting changes in the front office. Jody and I will be discussing that later on in the show. Whatever else is on your mind, you are certainly welcome to uh, join in uh, and contribute at 215-592-9494. Also, let me just say... Um, on a personal note, I appreciate all of the kind words and notes that came in to Ray Dinger and to me after our last two shows last week. It was really appreciative. By the way, if you're up in the Camp Hill, Pennsylvania area today, Jody, could you find Camp Hill, Pennsylvania on a map? Uh, no, but you got phones that tell you how to get there nowadays. I've been there once. They have a great burrito place. 
Is in, in Can- oh, that's where I would think to go for Mexican food. <laughs> okay. Well, Mosh, here's good news for you. After the show, well, you're going to have to move fast, Mosh. You may not be able to make it. I'm here but, till five. I'm not making it. Oh, you're out. But but Ray is signing copies of his books at the Barnes and Nobles at the Camp Hill Shopping Center. The guy retires and spends his first week driving two hours each way to Camp Hill. But if you are there from 1 to 3 p.m. today, Ray is signing copies of his books. Um, as far as this show, we're, we're a week or two away from announcing the full plan for these six hours of weekend real estate. It will it will happen, but I am I, I think I can I think I can safely say that i am happy that jody mcdonald will be a part of it moving forward so there we go all right we will be back and discuss much more and again would love your input as well with jody mcdonald i'm glenn mack now saturday morning on 94 wip tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Nick Mata on the pitch to Harper. Swung on, hit high in the air, left field. It's deep. Marsh is going back to the track. At the wall, it is gone. Opposite field, three-run home run for Bryce Harper. 11th home run of the season for Harper. And the Phillies now with a 7 to nothing lead. Yeah, spoiler alert, actually. There's going to be another one that we're going to play later. And, Jody, it's it's a, not yet, but a potential conundrum for them with Harper in the sense of, but he's having an incredible season at the plate. He is hitting three, hold on, 310 uh, with 13 home runs and 36 RBIs. He's, he's just been great, uh, but he can't play the field, which hurts their defense. And... The time may come when he needs Tommy John surgery, which, as you know, requires a lengthy rehab. And so they're going to have to decide, okay, at a certain point, if it if it comes to this, if it comes to, to that, do we lose him for the last, I'll pick a number, 80 games of 2022 and the first 40 of 2023? Do we try to get him through 2022? You know, when are they ready to pull the plug? And... I don't have any. I don't know that there's any good answer for that right now. 
we're going to have our doc on a little bit later, and we'll let someone who actually knows what they're talking about tell us what would be uh, the best situation. But I'll just get hey, you from Jody, me. I did not go to med school, but I did pay for many years of med school. That's exactly right, uh, so, with your youngsters. So, uh, so. And, and you get a doctor Doesn't that give me any, anything? Every single week. Uh, yeah, you know more than me, but uh, we'll get a real doctor up here uh, in hour number two. Um, here would be my read on it from a baseball standpoint, uh, not knowing the magnitude of the injury that he's playing with or the severity or like. Two words, mathematically eliminated. When that happens, yeah. I think that that is when the Phillies will turn to and say, if he needs Tommy John, then let's get Tommy John so that when he comes back, we can speed up the process the best we can. Even if it's only a week earlier, you I might say that's not going to happen until September. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah, September is the earliest that this is going to happen. Now, here's the other thing that you don't know. And it's funny because they're playing the Angels this week, and Shohei Otani is in for his first time ever since Bank Park. He did the same exact thing. Uh, when he came over to the big leagues as both a pitcher and a hitter, he needed to have Tommy John surgery done relatively early in his Major League Baseball career, and they just said, we're doing it. And he's going to be able to bat for us, but we're going to give him 2019 off from pitching, and they did just that. Now he's come back, and he's one of the best hitters and one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. So we've got a guy who the same decision had to be made with. It's even lesser for Harper because he's not a pitcher. He's a guy who's got to be able to throw from the outfield. Field, but it's not something that is going to end a significant part of his career. Yeah, I don't think they push that. I don't think they make that decision until the season is absolutely done with because they need his bat in the worst way. Glenn, you ran down some of his numbers. The only guy in the entire Phillies lineup, and well, maybe Gene Segura. i got to give Gene his props. Um, that's about it. Those two have topped out at their potential. What, what you had optimistically is what they could do offensively this year. Harper Segura, everybody else is underachieved to the top level of their uh, prospective performance this year. All right, well, that good, because that leads into the next topic, which is who are the culprits? Because, as we said, Joe Girardi was the one who felt the axe yesterday, but Joe Girardi is certainly not the only one who had a poor year. So who are the culprits? And I, I'm going to start by saying, despite many of the calls I hear to this station, I don't think it's John Middleton. I don't know what people expect from the owner. Um, I think the owner spent the money. I think the owner stays out of the way. Uh, I think the owner lets his people um, make decisions. Now, you can blame him if you want to say Dombrowski is a culprit, and I guess I will. You can chase it up the line and say, well, he's the one who hired Dombrowski, so therefore. But if, you, if you're an owner and you're willing to put down one of the top five payrolls in baseball, I... I don't put him on my list of culprits. Do you see it differently? No. Uh, and to, to take it a step further, the knock on Middleton had been, yeah, he'll bump up against the luxury tax, but he won't go over it. And that was just good management of their cap, of their salary on a given year-to-year basis because if you're not going to make the playoffs anyway, and oh, by the way, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011, why go over it and pay the price? Because there are uh, moving forward taxes that you pay. That if you go over the cap, then you pay for it down the road. Well, why not skim back and not go over the cap? So I thought it was just a good job done by the organization in general to get close to it but not go over it. 
or you're in all-in mode, which means you're pushing all your chips into the beginning table and you're going to be over it to begin with when the season starts. Well, that's exactly what they did. So all those who said, oh, Middleton won't go over the tax, you won't pay the tax, you won't go over the election, he did because Dombrowski talked them into the fact that they were good enough to potentially win a division this year, to get to the playoffs, to move in the playoffs when they get there. And he said, all right, whatever i got to pay, let's, let's go over the luxury tax before the season started. They did, and they're now six games under 500. That's not on John Middleton. Okay, so it's got to be on Nebrowski to to a degree, right? This yes. is a team team with big name stars, but but no no kind of cohesive unit, right? The 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 they're always giving away extra outs on defense uh, and trying to get through a bad bullpen. Listen, Schwarber and Castellanos kind of excited me before the season, but looking at it, maybe they were mistakes. Um, Dombrowski kind of ignored their defensive shortcomings. And to me, that only works if your team is going to club 225 home runs, score five runs a game, and and they are not doing it. Middleton hired Dombrowski, I believe, in December 2020. I'm pretty sure that was it. To clean up the mess that Matt Klintek had left. And we're now, you know, two seasons past that, and that mess has not been cleaned up. So Dombrowski on the list of culprits, yes? Let me cut... Dombrowski slash the Phillies, the slack that they uh, actually deserve. It's not much, but it it, should, it certainly needs to be mentioned because I think it plays to one of the shortcomings this year. When they signed both Castellanos and Schwarber, well, one of the two of them was going to be a DH on a day-in, day-out basis because you knew they were both below-average defensive outfielders. Lo and behold, here goes Harper's elbow. He's got a DH every single day. Uh-oh, now you got bad defenders on both of your two corners in the outfield. And, yes, they have paid a price for it. So Dombrowski couldn't have possibly known when he made the decision to sign both Castellanos and Schwarber that Harper was going to come out of the mix as a defensive player and, and he was going to have to DH every single day, which, oh, by the way, and okay. it's very good that they have Harper in the lineup every single day. Defensively, it would be easier if Harper were just out of the lineup, period, because then you could use one of the two as a def- – now, it would mean a lesser player in left field or right yeah, field, who, who, but a better defensive player. Yeah, well, does that mean I'm getting more O'Double? What is it? What, yeah, what does that, that, that what does that mean? The, the, that would the, be part of it. The yes. fifth return of Roman Quinn. I, you and, know, that's and it. that that would as as sad as this sounds, it would improve the defense. No, I if know that were the case. It would not improve the team overall, no. but it would improve the defense. All right. So next culprit to me, and I'm kind of putting him in order as I see it. And I like this guy, but God, he's having a horrible season. Is JT Real Muto, who is on pace for nine home runs and 48 RBIs. Uh, and has just lost his bat. And he was among the elite catchers in Major League Baseball. You signed him to a huge contract. And, and I don't want to put too much weight on the contract. That's that's not why he's a culprit. He's just a culprit because he's not producing, and he was a guy who was supposed to be in the middle of the order. Agreed on all fronts. Um and I don't understand why. It's not that he's of that age where you're going to start to see deterioration of his skills. He should absolutely positively be in his prime. Um, he should be pitched to with other bats in the lineup. You had a Schwarber and a Castellanos, you say, well, and chances are he's going to see better pitches. Uh, if he is, he's not uh, doing with them what he's supposed to do. Uh, of the players, of the everyday players, yeah, he would probably be on the top of my list as well as the biggest culprit for their underachieving. Uh, who do you add next? 
the the shortstop Didi Gregorius. Um, mm. They they gave him a two year contract, which I I like Didi. And when they acquired Didi, I thought it was a good solid veteran replacement. Knew he had to tie to Girardi, but didn't matter to me. I thought, hey, this guy can still play. He's not bad at shortstop. He absolutely can power the ball out of Citizen Bank Park. I thought it was good signing. When they went two years. I said, no, because, and again, we didn't know Middleton was going to say, yeah, we'll blow by the luxury tax. You look at all the other shortstops that moved over the, or that's passed off season and or the year before, like Francisco Lindor, who's just stone cold killing it for the Mets, the first place team in the division. he's, He's recovered from last season. Yeah, so maybe they could have jumped in on someone like him, but because they'd made the two year commitment to Didi, number one, his fielding is going backwards. He's just not the fielder he used to be. He's never gold glove, but he was at least average, if not slightly above. Now he's below average. Um, it's always an issue with some kind of injury, and we never really know how severe the injury is. So when he doesn't achieve offensively, go, well, is he playing hurt? Well, he's always hurt. So what can you actually expect of D.D. Gregorius? Uh, major disappointment in a guy who I thought was a pretty good signing the other day. So I'd put him okay. high on the culprit list as well. Uh, I would next put the tandem of Hoskins and Bohm, who um, were players brought up in the system. Both guys thought to be part of the nucleus going forward. Both guys who had tremendous rookie years showed promise at the plate, neither Ray always uh, called them first and third base, called them the corner butchers, which I thought was a great nickname for, for how they field. But they're both supposed to be frontline hitters. Bohm came in as a rookie and hit 330. Hoskins came in as a rookie and was cranking home runs out of there. Uh, they're both now subpar hitters, uh, very bad fielders, and not guys who are cornerstones of winning teams. So I would put them next. Let me give you the glass half full again before we get to the actuality of glass half empty. I think the glass is cracked. Uh, Maybe. Um, Bohm has actually not been bad at third base. He had that god-awful night where he made three errors and they caught him lip-breeding that uh, hate being in this place because they were giving him a Bronx cheer, a mock cheer, when he made a catch after three errors. Uh, But he's bounced back from that and he's played pretty well defensively. Part of why you wanted Alex Bohm to be your third baseman for a decade was because he could both hit for average and with power. He's hit with no power this year. He's become a slap hitter, basically, and you can't have that at your third base position. Reese is what Reese is. He's below average defensively. He can get hot and go on a two-week run that can carry you to a bunch of victories, but then on a dime, it can turn and go into a month funk where he's just a big hole in the middle of your lineup. Uh, Mostly butchers on the corners. I like Ray's way of describing them. Um, Yeah, I would say that is another major concern. The lineup was supposed to be tremendously deep when you add Castellanos and Schwarber, but it's still one that has holes. All right, you get one more culprit. Who you got? <sighs> Maybe it's not even fair, but again, just judging by what Phillies fans thought. In a lot, it, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's more of a shot at the fans than it is a given player. People just penciled Ranger Suarez as being the guy who was going to be able to do what he did for his last 10 starts last year. Well, we got Ranger. He's a legit two. All right, Nola's not what we thought he was, but we got Wheeler as our race, and we got Ranger number two. 
I said, can we give Ranger a month or two into the season before we put him on that kind of pedestal or level? And guess what? He ends up starting the season hurt, and when he pitches, he doesn't throw enough strikes, so he's always at the 100-pitch mark by the fourth inning, which means you got to lean on the heavy pen. Uh, I guess I'm putting on the Phillies fans, the overly optimistic Philly fans that thought that the uh, number two guy in the rotation was just a given, and Ranger has not been that. All right, I'll tell you the bullpen, but to me that circles back to Dombrowski. I mean, they just get new guys in there every year, and they're just never better than they were the year before. They're just shuffling the the lifeboats or shuffling the deck chairs. You don't shuffle the lifeboats. You go on the (laughs) lifeboats. You shuffle the deck chairs. Thank you. Uh, So I would say the bullpen, which is on the GM, I would say the center field collectively, which – and I heard a caller earlier this morning remark that they haven't had a center field, legitimate center fielder since Victorino, and that goes back a decade. They just cannot find a center fielder that they can trust. And my last one would be the Aaron Nola's sixth innings. And it's game after game after game, Jody, where I watch him through four or five, and it's like, wow, this is Nola's night. He's really got it together. This is it. He's looking great. It happened the other night, the sixth inning, home run, single, home run, whatever, walk. And it's the, the, those sixth innings, to me, are the culprit. Which so. is the reason why we should give Zach, Zach Eflin an attaboy last night. Got to the sixth, got to the seventh, got to the eighth. A Philly starting pitcher going eight innings. I don't know if uh, Rob Thompson had anything to do with that, but he did keep him out there, and Eflin delivered for him. Yes, they just overall the starters, and Wheeler is starting to look more like the guy who was a major potential Cy Young Award winner last year, and he goes tonight for them. Um, Yeah, the starting pitching has to go deeper into the game because we know what the bullpen is, which is inconsistent and or not good enough. All right, that was a pretty good list of culprits. And you know what? I think we really just scratched the surface with that. We could have kept going. 215-592-9494 if you would like to join us. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Back together again. White on the drive. Back to Horford for the lead. Boston up by three. Al Horford in his first NBA Finals. All right, Jody McDonald. I respect you for many things. Maybe your basketball acumen right at the top of the list. Remember when you coached the WIP uh, team? I still have some pictures of a sweaty Jody McDonald and Glenn Mack now and <laughs> others uh, after we went out and raised some good money for a good charity. God, it was it was great. I don't know how many people remember ever went to see it because we were all younger at the time. And, yes. Um, it, was, it was you and me. Neil Hartman was good. Rob Cherry was good. Uh, Angelo was about as inept as I was. I never, I didn't play basketball growing up. I know that sounds weird to people, but where I grew up, the only kid in my neighborhood who played basketball came around later, Christian Leitner. We didn't play basketball in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, but we played football and hockey. But, I mean, you were nice enough to let me on the team. My scoring average was 2.3 points per game. Uh, who else was on the team? Mike was on the team. Who else played on the team? Um, people would know. How- Howard would make an occasional No. Phrase. Yeah, Howard? so Howard played a couple of games. I Is got a right? picture with Howard in the shot. Uh, uh, and the guys I wasn't from the Foster's, worst guy on the team then. 
Uh, no, probably not. Uh, the guys from Foster's used to sponsor the team, so we'd go out with the people that we yeah. played with afterwards and have an adult beverage or two, which yeah, was, was great. great. That's right. Those big well. Australian cans. Yeah. Uh, Janie McGinley uh, was on our squad, the traffic girl who yeah. uh, came out, who That's was right. a uh, either a field hockey or a soccer player, but she played some pretty good basketball, too. So, yeah, yeah we, had, we had a lot of fun times. We did. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, it gets me back to I've always respected your basketball uh, smarts. So please explain to me how the Al Horford experiment failed so, so miserably here. And then the other night he's dropping 26 points and six three-pointers as the Celtics destroy Golden State in game one. They play again tonight. Well, they, they were down 12 points going into the fourth quarter, so yeah. they destroyed them for one quarter, which was good enough for a win. If you're going to destroy 40 to 16 team, in the quarter. You, you might as well do it in the fourth quarter when the game's going to end, and the Celtics did it to perfection, and Horford was a big part of that. Al Horford was a good player before he got here to Philadelphia. He wasn't going to be a good player here in Philadelphia for, for a specific reason that I'll uh, certainly fill in the blanks for you in just a second. And I'm not surprised that he's good with the Celtics again now. Al Horford and Joel Embiid was never going to work. And when they decided to sign him, they had these grandiose plans of how they were going to be able to fit on the floor and play off each other. I didn't, even though I was a big Al Horford fan. And when they signed him, I admit, I'm an Al Horford fan. I like the guy. He's a center. Joel Embiid is a center. In the space, the floor NBA that is uh, now in 2022, you can't have two players like that on the floor at the same time and expect them to be able to cohabitate. It was just a bad mix to begin with. It was a bad plan. It doesn't make Al Horford a bad player because he didn't come in here and fit. No, it was the Sixers' job to make it fit, and Brett Brown did not. And uh, I, I'm still an Al Horford fan, and I kind of am hoping that he does win a championship because Golden State already has their ring. So I will be rooting for the Celtics. I know that's blasphemous in this town, but I don't it, I don't know what it is anymore. Yeah. Not what it used to be it for used to damn be, no. sure. Not even uh, nobody. Nobody cares anymore. It's the the, the world has changed. Yeah, it, it was something to see how great he was and and how they just. You're right. They were down 12 going into fourth, and they outscored by 24. And they did it by the way on a night when Jason Tatum shot three for 17. Right. And Steph Curry did scored 21 points in one quarter. So moving ahead, I, I find that a fascinating series. I'm I'm all in on watching that series. Uh, you know, the shame of it is right now that the NBA Finals and the NHL Conference Finals are just so damned entertaining and so good. And I'm look, I feel like I'm standing outside the, the window on, on a rainy night, standing outside the window of a really nice restaurant watching people inside eating a great meal. That's how and I feel as a Philadelphia fan, knowing that I'm not getting invited in anytime soon. You're right to bring both the NBA and the NHL into it because, yeah, I watched last night's game. I, I just said I'm going to root for the Celtics because, believe it or not, my daughter is a Celtic fan. whole big thing about her being a Celtic fan from the second grade on, having a Where'd Paul Pierce grow notebook. Up? What, what part of Massachusetts? Right here in South Jersey. She's a diehard Philly fan. She was okay. at the ballpark. Mellow, she had her birthday party last night. At Citizens Bank Park with all of her girlfriends because oh, she wanted to be part of the Phillies, and she's a diehard Flyer fan as well. 
she was infected by her father's like of the Jets. Uh, sorry to say, Eagles fans. Um, and, wait, wait, wait. So Flyers, Phillies, Jets. Oh, that poor kid has not. Flyers, Phillies, Jets, and something. It's been a rough so decade. Kind of a weird fan base that she has, but that's what she has. Uh, and I can understand that people still dislike the Celtics and want to root against the Celtics here because of Al Horford, because of Jason Tatum, who the Sixers, if they had just stayed right, put at three, might have gotten him. Uh, Marcus Smart is a very aggressive player, borderline dirty, that you can kind of root against. Celtic fans love him. Everybody else in the league hates him with a passion. I can get that. I watched the Rangers last night. I don't think Flyer fans can even hate them. They're the such a thing. young team. I know. There's no rivalry between the Flyers and the Rangers. Uh, the kids are sturking in goal. I said this, which probably ticked off some Flyer fans a couple of weeks ago. He is so gone by uh, our goaltender, who we thought was going to come in and take over uh, the league for the next decade, and he's kind of leveled off in his progression while Shesterkin has gone through the roof and might win the Vezina this year. You can't even hate the Rangers the way you usually hate the Rangers. No, that it's, it is weird. I posted something about this the other day. I don't know if we'll get into it a lot today. I, mean, I may do it more tomorrow, but but it is, it's an, it's an interesting issue of – and rivalries change, and Flyer fans probably hate the Penguins now more than they hate the Rangers. But whatever, the Rangers are a long, long time, decades-long rival, and the Celtics are the historical rival of the Sixers. Maybe now not as much as, I don't know, Toronto? I don't, I don't even know what the Sixers' huge rival is these days. But, um, yeah, I don't see any venom from Philadelphia coming when those two teams both have a really good chance to win a championship. It's yeah, a little, little painful to watch, but you're right. It has been quality play. The Western Conference, Edmonton and Colorado, Whoa. man, they, they just have of, so many guys. A lot of red lights, the man. Puck. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, you did. Let me add one more thing because I know you wanted to get this in. Um, Sixers found out yesterday they're going to get a first-round draft pick this year. Uh, the, the I'm doing that later. Passed. Okay, you saved that for later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, me, let, let me let me throw that in later because I want to get into that in a little more detail. They are there. The Nets said, like, you know what? We think you'll be worse next year. We'll we'll let you have the pick. <laughs> no, I just want I want to close on the um the the Celtics uh, Golden State because they play tonight. What's that? What nine thirty start or something? Figure. No, whatever. I think it's tomorrow. They they. Play. Oh, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Excuse me. Okay. Buku days off in the NBA finals. Yeah. They get yeah. it if they get to it quickly enough. They give everybody a lot of downtime in the finals. Okay. All right. So, um, it was an interesting game because, for what it's worth, Jordan Poole, who I th- I thought kind of a key guy for the Warriors, just looked awful. To kind of dribbling aimlessly into travel. Little James Harden dribbling around, not doing anything. Um, and the Celtics had that a, a standing fourth quarter, as we said. Should the Warriors be worried? I mean, the Warriors have the pedigree. The Warriors have the rings. The Warriors are better than that. Uh, how you look at this series now? Well, I, I picked the Celtics to win it before it started. Which Did you? They were a, yeah, they were a pretty good underdog coming in. And it's funny because uh, my main line of thinking was the Warriors had not played a team that plays the type of defense that the Celtics play. The Eastern Conference this year was a better defensive conference. The Western Conference was a better offensive conference. And the Warriors, probably the best offensive team in all of basketball this year. I thought the Celtics could kind of take them out of their uh, rhythm and, and out of the way they like to play. They're one of 
very few teams who I think really get out and defend the three-point line. They didn't do much of that in the first quarter against Steph Curry, but then afterwards they surely did, and that's why I thought they would win the game. But they won it more offensively, even with Tatum having as ineffective a game as he did. That's a real good sign. If you're a Boston fan and you won game one the way you won game one, yeah, you feel that much more confident yeah. that you can actually win this whole thing. Yeah, I hear you. And and I watch these, and, I mean, clearly with the Flyers, it's obvious that the Flyers don't play in the same league. If it was British soccer, the Flyers would be relegated down Oof. a notch from what this thing is. And the Sixers are, you know, one of the better teams in the league, but they're not. They're not as good as these guys. They can't win with that core. I worry that the Sixers are locked in. They're stuck with Harden. And I just, when you watch the the championship, the, the later rounds, to me, Jody, I get the sense of this is really great sport, and our teams, they ain't there. They're not either of the two. The Sixers are the closer of the two, as as you just kind of mentioned. Um, but, but they yeah. ain't there. They're, they're not, and no. we don't know what they're going to be able to do in the offseason. Don't know what this first-round pick is going to give them. Uh, they have to make a decision on Harden, and that's going to come pretty soon. If nothing else, it will give us plenty of debate here because if they give James Harden a contract extension, now if he just opts back in, he's going to make his $47 million, whatever it is. Not that the Sixers can do about it, and they'd probably be okay with it. But if they decide that they need to lock him up because uh, they, they wouldn't be able to add another, just subtracting him from their salary cap wouldn't open up that much money to be able to go get another superstar-type player, I think it would be a major mistake because I'm sorry, I just see him as a declining player. All right, we're going to be really late for the break, but I do want to ask you this question. Uh, I'll make a statement. You can agree or disagree. I would rather have James Harden one year for 47 than two years for 50. Yes, I agree. Because Um, then you're done. One and done, and then be able to move on from it. And, oh, by the way, because he has such a good relationship with Moray, I think he likes Philadelphia, but he's such a mercurial guy. I don't know what he likes or who he likes or uh, exactly what he's thinking. Um, If he comes back and this was just a one-year thing and it was the hamstring and he still got game, well, then I think Moray could probably resign him, but I want to see it on the floor before I make any commitment past this year. By the way, if you're up at the Camp Hill area today, Ray Dinger is signing copies of his books at the Barnes & Noble at the Camp Hill Shopping Center, 1, 2, 3 p.m. Todd Zalecki of MLB Network joins us next to talk about Joe Girardi and the future of the Phillies. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.